This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. It looks like it's ladies' night. Easy, easy, ladies. This is episode 23. In this episode, I continue stories about transcontinental walks and runs. Get ready for the story about Dakota Bob, who lived more than 100 years ago. The ladies really liked him back in the day. Dakota Bob was a very famous character in the East who claimed that he accomplished more than eight transcontinental walks. Or did he? I will explore the legitimacy of the very early transcontinental walks. On May 10th, 2019, America will celebrate the 150th anniversary of the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad. This is the second episode in a series to recognize some historic accomplishments walking or running across the American continent. Starting around 1890, dozens of pedestrians attempted transcontinental walks and many claimed to have succeeded. In 1896, a Buffalo article commented, No less than a score have passed through Buffalo within a year. But did these walkers really accomplish these journeys all the way on foot? Verification was impossible in those days. Walkers wanted to succeed at all costs and were motivated by large wagers and the potential for great fame. Some of these very early walks that achieved attention may have been legitimate, but with careful analysis of the evidence left behind, most of those early transcontinental walks were hoaxes. The Buffalo Inquirer further stated in 1896, Dead broke pedestrians have lived off gullible hotel keepers and charity-inclined residents of the various states through which they pass. The American people like to be humbugged. It wasn't until 1909 that more of the press started to accept the fact that many of these walkers cheated. One reporter wrote, Several alleged walks across the continent have been heralded from time to time, but their accuracy has been so vague as to be valueless for records of bona fide achievements. The biggest challenge for walks of the late 1800s and early 1900s was the very remote western state section. From Kansas to over the Sierra in California, Towns were very spread out, and the dirt roads were terrible, still rutted wagon roads. Winter travel on these rural roads were extremely dangerous and frequently impassable. It was impossible for walkers to travel that section solo without aid. Aid by automobile wasn't yet practical. Rainy weather made roads impassable by early motor vehicles. The first transcontinental dirt road highway, the Lincoln Highway, wasn't completed until 1913, and even then, the automobiles were very unreliable for such journeys and frequently became stuck in the sand or mud. Using a pack horse or having a rider along on a horse providing aid was possible, but not practical because the horses would need to be changed out. Those who claimed to do it solo without a pack horse or without a rider were very likely frauds. Walking on the railroad between California and Kansas like hobos was a practical solution in those early days, but it involved a slow surface that was mostly away from roads. On the railroad line, the towns and way stations were very spread out. 
For walkers to really succeed passing through the West, they would need to have a lot of help from locals providing food, liquid, and shelter. Night walking would be critical during the summer months. Newspapers frequently covered these attempts, but because communication and verification were poor, it was very simple to fool the public and the press performing fraudulent transcontinental walks. The story of Dakota Bob is a great example to examine and illustrates the reality of most transcontinental walks before 1910. Dakota Bob was a colorful figure who became very famous in the East. During his walking career, he walked across the North American continent eight times or more. Or did he? Here is the story of Dakota Bob. It is believed that George A. Osborne, or Dakota Bob, was born near Buffalo, New York on March 10, 1856. His true life history is a mystery because the only source was from him. It may be true, it may not be. Details shifted over the year, but his early life history was told fairly constantly. Dakota Bob came from a good family. He attended college at Cornell University, but felt a yearning to go west and, quote, ran away. He claimed that he was adopted by the Indians, lived among the Sioux for 13 years, and was part of Sitting Bull's family. When he left the Indians, he became a lumberman and then an Indian scout. With a record as a gunfighter and a crack shot, Dakota Bob was for a long time range guard for some of the wealthiest cattlemen in the western country. He encountered many hair-raising and spine-chilling experiences. In the 1800s, he returned to Buffalo, New York and worked as a newspaper reporter. Dakota Bob claimed that he was at the 1890 Battle of Wounded Knee when Sitting Bull was killed, but his account of the event didn't match the historical facts. He wore a medal that he said was presented to him by the government for gallant service and fine marksmanship during the Indian Wars. He received numerous serious wounds from the Indians and showed scars. He was given the name Dakota Bob from Buffalo Bill Cody, who he worked for at one time in his Western show. Later, Dakota Bob never shared his real name. As transcontinental walks started to be covered in the newspapers across the country, Dakota Bob claimed that on January 1, 1897, he started to walk without a cent from San Francisco to New York on a wager of $3,000. Out of the blue, he appeared in the news for the first time in May 1897 in Buffalo, New York, stating that he was finishing up his transcontinental walk. The newspaper reported, his clothes were greasy, and his dark, oily-looking locks hung underneath a western sombrero and floated down his back. On his shoulder was a pink-eyed white rat, and around his neck he wore a necklace made from molar and incisors, which in happier days had comfortably nestled in the mouths of the best citizens of the towns in the West. Dakota Bob came into the Buffalo Courier newspaper office and said, I'm Dakota Bob, and I'm here to let you fellows know something about me. I'm an old buffalo boy, and I know more about this town than the man who made it. Finally, his whiskey-laden breath became monotonous, and he and the grease, teeth, and rat were ushered into outer darkness. Even with this poor first impression, Dakota Bob was successful in speaking to well-attended, paying spectator gatherings. 
On July 20th, 1897, after a claimed walk of eight months, Dakota Bob showed up in New York City claiming that he walked across the country and had worn out 15 pairs of shoes. There were many red flags with Dakota Bob's transcontinental walk claim. During that time, newspapers in the West were fascinated with such stories, but contained complete silence about his first transcontinental walk. It supposedly took him more than 2,500 miles to first be covered in the newspaper. Dakota Bob claimed that he carried no baggage with him, just a knapsack, he said that he never begged or asked for charity, that he worked as he traveled by giving lectures. Using that no-aid approach for crossing the remote western states would have been an impossible strategy. But the eastern press had no idea. He claimed that he started to walk in the dead of winter, but never mentioned how he crossed the snowbound Sierra and Rockies solo on foot. Just five days later, on July 25th, 1897, Dakota Bob started a return trip on another wager that required him to return to San Francisco in only four months, half the time of his alleged first trip. His wager sources were always curious. The bet was usually for $3,000 and involved the same men, his best friend William Lee of Yonkers, New York, and a Joe Mills of Portland, Oregon. The bettors seemed to never worry about verification, and the terms of the wager changed on the fly as Dakota Bob traveled. It is believed there never were wagers for or against him, that it was just the story he gave to explain why he was walking and to impress people. After three weeks, on August 20th, he was in Buffalo, New York again, and an article reported, Bob dresses like a scout or cowboy. His hair is long, and he is covered with mementos of various kinds. He has, among other things, a necklace made of wire on which are strung 120 white men's teeth. This necklace was obtained from an Indian on the Cheyenne Reservation while Bob was on his way east. He carried with him a book filled with signatures from officials of the cities he passed through. For all his walking career, he always had his books along, and it was his source of verification. In cities, he would seek out mayors or other city officials to sign or stamp his book. He would gain their trust and get hired to give lectures. How did Dakota Bob actually arrive in the towns to get these signatures and stamps? With the hundreds of articles written about him over the years from dozens of towns, not once was there an article that included an eyewitness that he had walked by their farms and had been invited to stop. He was only seen in the towns and cities. He most likely arrived on trains. On this walk, despite the four-month arrival requirement, Dakota Bob didn't seem to be in much of a hurry, stayed at Buffalo for three days to lecture, get money, and attend events. In October, three months into his journey, he arrived at Fort Wayne, Indiana, and said he was represented by the New York Illustrated News and now planned to finish in January. It is strange that the wager was changed from four to six months. In November, he had only made it to Illinois, and a newspaper called him a freak. <laughs> a month later, in December 1897, Dakota Bob was in St. Louis, Missouri, clearly in no hurry. With his big hat, his long hair falling over his shoulders, his coat covered with medals, and a necklace of panther teeth around his neck, he attracts much attention. He changed his story again and said he planned to arrive in San Francisco in July, a year from his start. 
He said he stops in each town for two days and each city for four days and earns money by passing samples and advertising matter. The St. Louis article was the last one for seven months. Where did Dakota Bob spend the winter? Did he wait for spring until continuing over the mountains? There were no stories about him in the Western newspapers. Finally, in June 1898, he was in the news again. Was he near San Francisco? No, he showed up in Indiana claiming that he was on the way back to New York. Dakota Bob arrived in Buffalo, New York for the third time on July 30th, 1898. He explained his walking timeline. He said he had arrived in San Francisco on January 1st and started his return trip on January 25th. As evidence, he showed the railroad stamps in his book as proof of his travels. If anyone was keeping score, he had last reported to be seen in St. Louis, Missouri on December 4th. Prior to that, it had taken him 132 days to walk west, about 1,300 miles, averaging about 10 miles a day, including all his stopovers in cities. But then he really kicked it into gear and went from St. Louis to San Francisco, about 2,300 miles in winter weather against prevailing winds over the mountains in about 27 days for more than 84 miles per day. Muncie, Indiana was convinced Dakota Bob was legit. His book even included stamps from foreign countries. The newspaper mentioned, The man is a fluent talker of various languages and in no doubt the genuine and original Dakota Bob. On September 17, 1898, Dakota Bob showed up in New York City proclaiming that he had finished walking to San Francisco and back but no one in 1898 knew that the story was false. Instead, he was treated as an amazing hero for little boys to look up to. In April 1900, working his scam in the Midwest again, he showed up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, stating that he was on a San Francisco to New York walk again. In May, he appeared in his favorite upstate New York cities again, and they joked that he was just like a migratory bird showing up every year. He arrived in New York City on June 29, 1900, claiming that he had finished his fourth transcontinental walk. He was apparently losing count because he had said the last one was his fourth. One newspaper reporter called him a, quote, poser. Dakota Bob is in town again with more hardware dangling from him than he had last time he was here. In Fort Plains, New York, they were catching on. Dakota Bob, the long-haired beauty who thinks or pretends to think that he is constantly walking from this, that, or the other place. By the manner in which he manages to dodge real work, it's safe betting that he is a tramp. If people would stop making heroes out of these cheap guys of Dakota Bob genus, this wager walking racket would soon peter out. But he didn't stop. He wanted to extend his scam into New England, so just two weeks later he changed his story and said he was finishing a walk from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. He said he started in Oregon on Christmas Day, 1899, and needed to finish in Maine on August 1st. After fooling various New England cities, he showed up in Portland, Maine on the very day his phony bet required and said he won $2,000. 
next month, in September 1900, Dakota Bob was in Philadelphia claiming that he left New York City on August 24, 1900, and was on his way to Mexico City and back. In October to November, he spent a month giving lectures and putting on shows in North Carolina. In December, he took his fraudulent but colorful lectures to Atlanta, Georgia, where he spent several days because he said he was ahead of schedule. The Atlanta Constitution reported, Dakota Bob would attract a crowd anywhere. He looks as if he just stepped off the canvas of a western picture. He is rather small in stature, but does not carry a surplus ounce of flesh upon his well-knit frame. His face is swarthy, and a mass of long black hair, with here and there a silver strand, covers his head. His hair is parted Indian fashion in the middle. A blue flannel shirt covers his broad chest, and his coat fails to conceal a single one of his 17 medals, buttons, and charms, which are suspended from his shirt front. His only luggage is a small satchel, and in this he carries books of clippings from all parts of the country's cards of hundreds of prominent people. He spent a month, January 1901, in Alabama. He said that for the past five years, he had walked more than 30,000 miles, averaging 6,000 miles a year. In February, he was working Mississippi, still claiming to be heading toward Mexico. He said he always walked on railroad tracks instead of roads. Only one month later, in March, he was back in Alabama advertising the Francis Cigar. He was telling people he was on his way back from Mexico City. That was quick! He must have walked more than 3,000 miles in only one month from Mississippi to Mexico City and back. It makes you wonder how gullible the press and city leaders were to believe his claims. However, in Anniston, Alabama, he was caught. Their newspaper reported, Dakota Bob, the long-distance walker of America, who has already walked from New York to the city of Mexico and this far on the return trip, as he says, didn't walk out of Aniston this morning, according to the program. He was a passenger on an eastbound train. Word got out. Another Alabama paper called him a, quote, fake pedestrian. But he continued on his fake walk to North Carolina, where he said he walked 10 hours per day and slept 9 hours each night. He showed people the fake seal he claimed to have received from Mexico City. Ten days after being in North Carolina, he showed up 550 miles away in New York City, finishing up what he claimed was a 6,300-mile journey to Mexico City and back in eight months. He would have had to average 787 miles per month. In 1901, Dakota Bob went to the Pan American Expo, or the World's Fair, in Buffalo, New York. He then issued a challenge to a famous German walker, Gustav Kugel of Germany, to come to America and compete against him for 1,000 miles at the exposition. Kugel believed Dakota Bob was a bluffer and no competition ever took place. As it turned out, Dakota Bob had copied Kugel's hoax methods. Kugel claimed that he walked around the world from 1894 to 1896, taking two years. In 1896, after completing that walk, Kugel allegedly did a transcontinental walk from Los Angeles to New York, trying to break the record of 92 days. He walked solo with a canteen, carried very little, stopped to lecture in cities, and carried books that were stamped along his route by mayors, which always took a lot of time. Does this sound familiar? 
Clearly, Dakota Bob had copied Kugel's approach. In analyzing Kugel's 1896 transcontinental walk of about 113 days, it is pretty obvious that it was fraudulent, especially crossing the Sahara and the Nevada desert in the heat of the summer at a pace of 50 miles per day. Curiously, very few city newspapers had stories about him walking in their cities. Dakota Bob dropped out of the news for a year. In 1903, Dakota Bob was at Scranton, Pennsylvania, employed by the Grand Union Tea Company to sit all day in a large display window making pretty doilies, table covers, and other fancy articles out of sheets of paper. Apparently, he had very good skills tearing paper, a skill he had learned from the Indians. He sat in display windows in other towns for the company. At the end of 1903, he declared that he was through traveling and stayed out of the news for four years. In 1907, Dakota Bob, now 51 years old, was back doing his fake transcontinental walks. He showed up in Indiana out of the blue on August 7th, claiming that he left Portland, Oregon on March 10th, 1907, and was on the way to Portland, Maine. This time, Dakota Bob said 20-mile rides were allowed on each rainy day. What? He likely had been caught taking rides, and this was his cover story. He finished his, quote, walk at New York on November 20th, 1907, and won that wager of $3,000. A wager that allowed rides? Oh, boy. Somehow the destination of the apparent phony wager also shifted from Portland, Maine to New York City. In July 1908, he was back in his favorite city of Buffalo telling people he was again finishing a walk from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. On August 21st in New Jersey, Dakota Bob said he was the only genuine champion continent walker. He said, I only travel at night. Only greenhorns at this game ever attempt to buck the sun this season of the year. I carry no baggage shipping my stuff ahead. During the day, I sleep usually beneath a tree along the road. I make my living tearing paper into fancy designs, doing sleight of hand tricks and other stunts. He said that this would be his last trip. Dakota Bob didn't continue to Portland, Maine. A day after being in New Jersey, he showed up in Philadelphia, his journey apparently complete. He now said his career walking miles were 74,600 miles. On September 5th, 1908, he started another fake walk to Mexico City and back, this time starting from Washington, D.C., with a goal to reach Mexico City on February 1st, 1909. He made his way south and spent a month doing shows in North Carolina in movie theaters. He transformed sheets of paper into many and varied beautiful designs and did character impersonations. He is very clever and won applause from the house. The following night, he did mind-reading acts. Dakota Bob showed up in Tampa, Florida in January 1909, still claiming to be walking toward Mexico City. The Tampa newspaper was puzzled. Tampa is a great way out of his route. But said Dakota Bob couldn't resist to visit a city he had heard so much about. Dakota Bob spent February and March scamming his way through Florida, visiting many cities. He was in Pensacola on March 6th, and two weeks later he was in Alabama telling newspapers that he was on his way back from Mexico City. Apparently, he had walked more than 3,000 miles in two weeks. When he arrived back in Atlanta, Georgia on April 9th, he told the tale of his walking to Mexico City and back. 
He said his career walking miles were 86,400, jumping 12,000 miles in just a half a year. He showed the people the fake seal of the Republic of Mexico that he received from Mexican President Diaz, which he planned to deliver to President Taft. In June, Dakota Bob was in Dayton, Ohio, still claiming to be heading back to Washington, D.C. from Mexico. Sadly, Dakota Bob kept up the hoax and in August arrived in Philadelphia and it was reported. During his stay in the Mexico Republic, Dakota Bob was the guest for several days of President Diaz, from whom he obtained a letter as well as an impression of the seal of the Republic of Mexico, which he will deliver to President Taft. On September 18, 1909, Dakota Bob finished his curious journey and arrived back at Washington, D.C. He claimed that he had walked 4,600 miles. There was no mention that he actually wintered in Florida. Thankfully, it appears he never met with Taft or his staff, but he said he gave the fake letter to the postmaster to deliver. In October 1909, a newspaper in Raleigh, North Carolina proclaimed that Dakota was the quote, world's greatest walker when he visited the state grounds. He said his lifetime walking miles were now 93,000 miles and that he had walked more miles than any other living man. He is attired in a long tailed coat of which the lapels and front are gaily decorated with medals and emblems given him in many cities. His head, from which long locks suspend, is covered with a gigantic sombrero. He next planned to do a 7,000 mile walk to reach a total of 100,000 miles in April 1910. He was in Tennessee and Kentucky and claimed that he had started a 7,000 mile walk circumnavigation around the country from Tampa, Florida on January 15th. A new twist in his journey is that a group of musicians were accompanying him. They would put on entertainment and Dakota Bob would give short talks about his travels. He would usually stay in each city several days. It is a wonder that no one challenged him on when he would actually walk. Just two months later, in May, he was in Dayton, Ohio, heading east, and then made it to Buffalo, New York by the end of the month. The newspapers seemed bored by his appearance again. Arriving in New York City, Dakota Bob claimed that he had already finished his 7,000 mile walk. It was truly an amazing walk. Somehow he had walked 7,000 miles in only five months, and he was only seen in five eastern states, staying multiple days in each city. He now claimed 100,000 career miles walked. In October, he was seen coming into Washington, D.C. in disguise. He then put on his normal costume and went into the Washington Post to, quote, say nice things about himself. He said he was the champion long distance walker of the world and that he had now accomplished six transcontinental walks, that he had walked every inch of the distance and had not ridden on a train in 25 years. He also wildly claimed, I haven't been in a wagon or an auto. I hate autos. He said his best walk was 6,400 miles to and from Mexico City. One paper wrote, He is the champion because he says so himself. He claimed six transcontinental walks, but actually, this analysis shows that he faked at least eight. 
In January 1911, Dakota Bob went to Tampa, Florida and proclaimed that he was through with his walking career and would settle in Tampa. He traveled around Florida advertising for Coca-Cola. In April, he was in Dayton, Ohio, saying that he was planning to go back to live with the Indians that raised him. In October, at Tampa, he was arrested for vagrancy during a police sting, and it was said he, quote, found the cage waiting for him. In September 1912, Dakota Bob was in Atlanta and said in May he was struck by an automobile in Buffalo, New York, and one of his legs had been broken. His walking days were over. He gave the same story in Tampa and claimed that he had walked 125,000 miles in his walking career. Wow, in just 16 months he had added 25,000 more miles. He planned to go into vaudeville or movie pictures. He was hired by the circus for a time and performed well. In 1914, Dakota Bob was living in Tampa, Florida working for the Tampa Tribune selling papers. He was destitute and kindly was allowed to live in the press room, making a bed on tables. At age 58, they called him an aged man. He was sent to live on a poor farm, twice running away and wandering the streets for days. Dakota Bob died at the age of 60 on October 15, 1916 in Tampa, Florida after a long illness and a serious fall. He had no family and was a lonely man despite all the friends he collected in his books. He was buried in a potter's field grave with no headstone. There was no elaborate funeral but the Tampa Tribune gave him a nice tribute in their newspaper. Knowing no better, his contemporaries still believed that he accomplished these amazing transcontinental walks clear to his grave. However, there was no mention on his walks to Mexico City and back, and many other fabricated accomplishments. It is possible that he came clean in his last years with his friends of the Tribune. His sad obituary included, But now all mundane trials and tribulations have ceased and his weary bones are at ease in a grave sheltered by lofty trees where also stirs a wanton breeze. Dakota Bob's fake walking career sadly was not an anomaly. This was written not to single out Dakota Bob, but as an example of what the walking environment was at the time. Many other walkers and runners of the era did similar things to gain attention and earn a living using deception in our sport. Even sadder, still today some runners have taken up the Dakota Bob banner and have cheated running accomplishments. Some runners and hikers of today try to claim fastest known times on transcontinental runs, through hikes such as the Appalachian Trail, and to establish course records, all seemingly for social media fame and glory. Technology is helping to finally push away some of this deception. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>